This is KMTT, and this is Ezra Bickens, the weekly shiur on Pashat HaShavua, and this week's Pasha is Pashat Balak. Pashat Balak is an unusual Pasha, since it doesn't appear, at least the story, is, is not about the Jews. It's not about B'nai Yisrael, until the very, very last section of the Pasha. And the Jewish people are, are not even spectators. They're not, they're, not, they're not part of the story. It's a story of what takes place between Balak, king of Midian, and Bilam, the, uh, the wizard. It's a fascinating story. But it's a little bit unusual in terms of what we're expecting. We're expecting the story of how the Jews uh, leave Mitzrayim, build the Mishkan, and come to Eretz Yisrael. The content is also, of course, strange. You have the unusual story of Bilam and his and his donkey, and you have the content, the very significant, the very um, uplifting, magnificent content of the prophecies of Bilam, which we enjoy reading, and he probably tell us a lot of important things about Jewish destiny and Jewish history and Jewish society. But again, they're, they're coming from Bilam. They're coming from a non-Jewish prophet. And why does it exist? Why do we need it? Why are we interested in it? Or to ask it on a high level, why indeed did the story take place? And why does God want us to know that the story took place? So the truth is, the answer to this question is explicated uh, in, the, in the Haftarah which Chazal suggested we read every year for Parshat, uh, Parshat Balak. Naftarah is from Sefer Micha, Perikei. And the connection to Parshat Balak is found in the middle, where a section which begins by saying that God is arguing is coming with a rebuke to Am Yisrael. Begins Shimu Harim et Riba Donai, Vaitanim Moste Aretz, Kiriba Donai, Im Amo, Vim Yisrael Yitvakach. God says, Mountains, come and listen to my dispute, God's dispute, for God is coming to dispute with his people and will argue with the Jews. Ami Maasiti Lecha, Umahaliticha, Anebiu. God says to the Jewish people, what have I done to you? Answer me. And then he, and then he, and then he does a quick review of Jewishry. What have I done to you? I took you out of Mitzrayim, took you out of slavery, redeemed you from slavery, and I sent before you Moshe, Aharon, and Miriam. Uh, a week ago, in this context, in this podcast, I talked about Miriam and the relationship of Miriam to the two leaders, Moshe and Aaron. And I wanted to claim that she wasn't exactly a leader, but in this Pasuk, in Micha, God says it explicitly. He equates the three of them, I have to admit. This is the place where it's stated explicitly, I sent before you Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. And then God says the following, Ami, a people. Moab, 
My people remember what Balak, king of Moab, uh, planned. Uma anauto Bilam ben Bao, and what Bilam answered him. In order to know the justice, the greatness of God, pay attention to the story of our Pasha. It doesn't say exactly what you're supposed to pay attention to. Apparently it was obvious. But if we go back to the beginning of the Ftarah, the place where we begin to read, so the message is very, very clear. Micha, prophet of the late the, late, the, the, the later years of, of the kingdom of Israel says, and it will be, so like all prophecies, it's a future prophecy, that the remnant of Yaakov will be in the midst of many peoples. In other words, this is talking about after the Chorban. The Jewish people are called She'erit Yaakov, the remnant of Israel. And they will be in the midst of many people. Apparently it's referring to Galut, to dispersion. What will be this state? What, 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 what will it be like to be the Jews in the diaspora? Ketal me'et Hashem. It will be like the dew that comes from God. Kirvivim Like the, the heavy rain that strikes on the grass. Asher lo the ish velo yachel adam. That these two things, the rain and the dew, do not... Have the, the, do not place their hope in any man. And don't trust in any person. In other words, the rain is oblivious to the people who benefit from the rain. The rain doesn't come to serve. It's not serving people. It simply, it comes from the heavens and strikes the earth. And then, the prophet repeats the idea in a stronger and more dramatic way. And the remnant of Yaakov, again, the remnant of Yaakov, among the nations, among the many, many peoples, will be like like a lion. admits the the animals, the domesticated animals of the forest. And like a young lion cub in flocks of, of sheep. That if he will decide to attack and pray and destroy one of them, Ein Matzil. There's no, no one will save them from, from him. What is the picture that these two psukim present of She'erit Yaakov Bekerev Amim Rabim, the remnant of Israel, remnant, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, 
I wouldn't say derogatory, it's a limiting phase. The remnant means the, the few, the, the, it's, it's, not a, it's not a picture of power. The remnant of Yaakov spread out, dispersed among many peoples, what will it be like? They're not affected. They're one among many, it's like the lion amidst the many sheep. Or the first Pasuk, which sounds like it's saying less, but I really think it's actually saying more. It'll be like the dew falling on the field, which pays no attention. Has no hope and no interest in people. It's oblivious to its surroundings. The Pasuk is saying that the Jews, in fact, because of God's plan, because of the ship with God, the Jewish people will be dispersed and will pass through Bekerev Amim Rabim. Not in one place. Not Galut Bavel. Not Galut Edom. But Amim Rabim. It's the ultimate dispersion in the diaspora of the Jewish people throughout the world. But it'll just be passing through. You're not there to pay attention to them. And if you are going to pay attention to them, then it's like Aryeh Bemamot Yar. Then you'll do whatever you have to do but they present no threat, no interest, nothing that actually has to concern you. They will benefit from you, which is what the Geshem, the rain does, and the fields in which it falls. You will benefit from them if the second Pasuk, if you, if you eat from them. So there will be different benefits, but... It won't be because, let's put it very exactly, it won't be because of partnership. There's no mutual project that's called the Jews amongst the nations. The Jews among the nations are the Jews. And the nations around Jews are the nations. So inevitably there'll be some interaction, but it's not a mutual project in any sense. In terms of what's in your mind, oblivion. And then, we understand, eight psukim later, when or nine psukim later, when God says, Ami balak My people remember what you learned. How, how did the Jews know what Balak planned? They have to read in the Torah. There's no other way to know it. These are private conversations between Bilam and Balak. They weren't, they weren't publicized. They weren't, they weren't in the paper the next day. So I'm telling you now, I told you then, remember, that there was this plot that was supposed to destroy you. Minashitim ad Gilgal. It covered the entire Jewish people at the time when they weren't dispersed among many nations, but they were in one place. Many, many uh, observers have pointed out that being dispersed is on the one hand a bad thing. You're, you're weaker. On the other hand, there's a certain security because a given threat will not be a threat against everybody. There's security in being dispersed as Yaakov Avinu separated his, his own camp into two different camps that if Esav hits one, the other one can escape. And part of the history of the Jews is that there have been some terrible things happened in place A, but then in place B there was a refuge. But at that time, Bil'am and Balak, they were 
They had everybody in their sight. Which is the entire encampment of the Jewish people. And as we know from the parasha, that's what Bilam did. He looked, he saw. He was able to perceive. He had in his, in his, in the, in his sight, in the sights of his gun, if you wish, or the sights of his eyes. He had the entire Jewish people. And, and what are you supposed to remember exactly? Re- remember, you should note Sitkot Hashem. What is the Haftarah saying? Momentous things took place all around you? You were totally oblivious. It didn't have, had no effect on your actual lives. Bilam gave you a bracha. Also not in your life. Nowhere in the Torah does it say that because Bilam gave the bracha, therefore something took place. Normally we think of a bracha, it's somebody who needs a bracha, gets a bracha, and therefore benefits. Umbarachecha baruch. Avam Avinu will give bracha that, and whoever gave a bracha to was blessed. I don't think that Bil'am's brachot are the cause of anything good happening to Israel. At best, they are predictions, meaning the nevuot, of what God is planning. Tarach kochav Yaakov, he wasn't blessing them. That you, the Jews, you should be able to be more powerful than Moab. On the contrary, as Bil'am eventually says to, uh, to Bil'am, when he's finished his uh, official brachot, he gives his own little extra, he says, I will tell you that which is going to take place. In terms of Jewish history, it doesn't affect us. And not doesn't affect us, you didn't even know it was taking place. And that's why the Pabich has to say, you guys say to them, remember how you were there and you didn't notice it? The man that said, I took care of everything. You weren't called upon to do anything to protect yourselves from Balak and from Bilam. Now, because the Nabi believes that the Jews shouldn't protect themselves. When people attack Eretz Yisrael, Dovan HaMelech organized an army to fight them back, and the Shoftim, and, 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 and all the Melachim. That's what they did. But Yisrael Begoyim Rabim, Parshat Balak, what I asked in the beginning is the answer. The Torah is about the internal history of the Jewish people. Balak is about Yisrael Begoyim. Not because in the historical situation in the desert, they, that they had moved in a particular place. No, they were in the middle of the desert. But here's where we're talking about taking a larger perspective, seeing the Jews as one tribe surrounded by other tribes, Midian and Moab. And I was looking at geopolitical situation of the Jews. That's what Pashad Balak is about. And what is the message? The message is it doesn't concern you. Ketal. It's like the dew falling on the fields and like the rain drumming on the grass that doesn't take into account anything and pays no attention to anyone who's there. That's what Parshat Balak is about. And in fact, one has to admit that Bilam more or less figured that out in the very, very beginning before he, before he did anything. That's the first thing that Bilam noticed. The very first thing he says, the first time he prophecies, after saying he's going to do his best to give them a curse, what does he come? He says, so Kim, which you all more or less know by heart. (laughs) 
כי מראש צורים הראינו ומגבעות אשורנו, I see them all from the hills on which I'm found. אין עם לבדד ישכון ובגויים לא יתחשב. This is a people who dwells alone. The last two words are more significant. ובגויים לא יתחשב is not counted among the nations. There's no such thing as the 71 nations of the world. There's no such thing as the United Nations, including Israel. There's Israel and the 70 nations. Lo yitchashav. So here, in our parasha, it's easy to say that. Because they're really living as a distinct unit. A couple of miles, so there's a separation. They're actually in the desert. They're not even... Um, they're not even in the geopolitical sphere. They're not living on a, on, a, on a settled continent. They're in the desert. So of course, okay, so they're not connected to the rest of the world. The truth is that Balak and Bilam were connecting them. Bilam was, was about to say to them, was trying to say to them, you think that you're just sitting there surrounded by the clouds of glory, eating man from heaven. You don't live from the earth. You have nothing to do with the earth. You're like living on the moon. That's what you think. Ah, I'm going to plan something for you. Because I'm Bilam. And Balak the king... And I, we have this plan which we're going to drag you into the rest of the world and also drag you down. And then he says, And the, the Pasha in Micha, the Haftara says, Look, there'll come a time, for whatever reason, where physically you will be dispersed among the nations. Bekerev, Bekerev, inside. What Kerev means amidst, inside. Amidst the many nations. But it, it's still, it's a bubble existence. You're going to pass through. Not that it won't affect you. But that's not what's supposed to be in your mind. You do not need to be concerned about that. You're passing through the way the rain falls on the field, the way the lion passes through a flock of sheep. And whatever takes place, one way or the other, it's not your problem. The man da'at sitkot Hashem. You know that God takes care of your international relations and it's not dependent, the conclusions, the outcome, are not dependent on your relationships with them. And this apparently was an important enough message to be part of Jewish history. This lack of Jewish involvement in world history is, that's a factor in Jewish history. The Jews are traveling in the desert. Now they're about to enter Eretz Yisrael. Okay, they're not about to enter diaspora. But entering Eretz Yisrael in the desert is the same thing. It's, it's re-entering world history. Forty years you've been living in a literal total bubble. Nobody knew you were there. You didn't know anybody else was there. You didn't meet anybody. You didn't talk to anybody. You didn't eat their food. You didn't drink their drink. You were living in God's hands. That's a bubble. But now you're about to enter Eretz Yisrael. So sure, because you're getting your own lands. First of all, though, obviously there are people in Eretz Yisrael. There are seven, seven nations there. But I'm saying, I don't think that's really the concern here. That's a different concern. The concern here is that you'll be one nation in the Middle East. So you can have some relationship to what's going on outside of the borders of Eretz Canaan, of Eretz Yisrael. There'll be international relations. There'll be, there'll be things to do. And, and, and your history now is not, is not separate. 
it's going to be, it's, it's a particular aspect of world history or Middle Eastern history, Mesopotamian history. And that's why this Pasha takes place. There are a lot of interesting and, and fascinating aspects of the Pasha, but why the whole Pasha takes place is for this negative point. Everything written here is unimportant. It doesn't make a difference to you. If you really want to know, you should know. Somebody was planning to destroy you, and God didn't let him. And he says some nice things about you, which might be interesting to read, because maybe you can learn something from them. And there are things to learn from the individual Nevuot of Bilam. But the message is that it's irrelevant. What's relevant is that your external history is God's hands. And everything that takes place is based on your relationship with God and not your relationship with Moab, with Balak, with Bilam, or with Bilam the wizard. I think that's what takes place in the end uh, of the uh, prophecies of Bilam. As you know, each time Balak said to Bilam, make an effort, do your best, give them a curse. And Bilam has suggestions what to do. You bring seven sacrifices here, seven sacrifices there. Let's look at this, let's look at that. Maybe it'll work, I'll try. This is how we know that Bilam wasn't a great person. He's, he seems to be trying to, to curse the Jews. He's just not succeeding. And, and then the last time, he kind of figures it out that it's not going to work. And the Pasuk says the following. Vayar, the beginning of Perik Chavdalid. Vayar Bil'am Kitov Be'inei Adonai Levarech Et Yisrael. Bil'am saw that God, it's good in God's eyes to give thanks to Israel. In other words, there's no chance. There isn't going to be a, a, a curse. Till now he's been trying to get God to curse the Jews. He knows it's not going to happen now. Balalach Kefa'am Befa'am Likrat Nechashim. And therefore, very difficult because we don't know how to translate it because we're not familiar with how magic works. Uh, he didn't go as in the previous times, likrat nechashim, in, in the direction of incantations. Nechashim means incantations. Vayashet el hamidbar panav. Instead of that, he, he placed his face, he looked towards the desert. And then it says, He raised up his eyes and he saw the Jews, the Jewish people in their machanot, shochein lishvatav, sitting in the manner that had been prescribed in the beginning of this book of Bidmibah, how they should, how they should, how they should encamp. Vatihi alav ruach Elohim. Here for the first time it says that he was inspired. The Spirit of God descended upon him. But what does it mean, vayashet elam midbar panav? He placed his face towards the midbar. Instead of going to the incantations, he went to the desert. These are two different directions. So there's a Rashi which most people don't understand. The Rabban try to explain what it means and then we still don't understand it. Rashi says like this. So something's happening here. Something is happening to Bilam. Instead of trying to curse the Jews, he's, he wants to give a bracha to the Jews now because he knows that's what God wants. So therefore, it says, he didn't go for the incantations, he went to the desert. So Rashi says like the following. Lo means to guess. He says, Nechashim is that now Bilam's program was to uh, stand around, God would come, and maybe, maybe he could catch God in a bad mood. He, he would get God at a time when he would be able to curse the Jews. 
Instead of the, what did he do? Vayashet elamidbar panav. He didn't go to the system of incantations, which is trying to chap, trying to hijack God's ill will. Instead, he turned to the desert. What does that mean? Sabashi says, Ketal Gumo. Ketal Gumo means, look in Tagamunkos. The problem is, you look in Tagamunkos, doesn't say anything. Tagamunkos is translation of, Vayashet elamidbar panav, and he placed his face towards the desert is, and he placed his face towards the desert. V'shavi the midbara apoi, and he turned his face to the desert. So the Ramban, and I think he's probably right, the Rashi had a different version of Unkelis, and the different version is what's found in the other Targum, it's called Targum Yerushalmi, or Targum Yonata Ben Uziel. And there it says, what's the desert? The desert is a code word for Cheta Egel. In, in, in Targum Yerushalmi it says, V'shavi the midbara apoi, he placed his face, he turned his face towards the desert, and uh, to the desert in which they had made the golden calf. And that's what Rashi means. So the question is, if that's what Rashi means, then what's the difference between the first thing, that maybe he were able to curse them, I will mention their sins and God will curse them, and to the fact that he says that the he looked towards the Egel Hazahav. It's the same thing. Like, where's, the, where's the transformation here? Where's the new Bilam? Who isn't trying to curse, but is trying to, uh, is trying to bless. So what, what most of Hashem say is against Rashi. Most of Hashem say that he didn't go to the Nechashim. It said that he turned to the Midbar, he turned to Israel. He looked at them knowing that he would be inspired by them. He would see their Kedusha. He would see that God is there. And therefore he could give a better Bach, which is what took place. He saw the Jews and right away, the Spirit of God descended on him and he said, but according to Vashi, it's, I think, it's the same idea, but more subtle. Nechashim, the incantations, were Icus. An incantation is a curse. It's an implication. I can curse them. Now, it's true, it may not work. You need God's favor for it to work, but there's a feeling here, maybe because Bilam was basically, you know, not a kosher Jew, uh, that God is fickle. And there were good times, there were bad times, Yodeya, Da'at, Elyon. He would try to get God when God was in a bad mood. In other words, it's like a uh, fate. There are better times, worse times, all of magic, all of uh, uh, wizardry is based on that, that there are certain forces and they're just there, you just have to sort of catch them and move them. So that's the implication of the Nechashim. Now we realize that it's not going to work because there's no such thing. God is in favor of the Jews. So, there isn't anything to catch. But Bilam thinks correctly, in my opinion, that the meaning is, nothing that I do is going to affect the Jews. Jewish international fate is not based on what the Gaia want to do with them, what the plans of the leaders of the world is. It's based on something else. What's it based on? Their relationship with God. So now he looks at the relationship with God. He knows there's something called Chigal, the sin of the golden cap somewhere out there. And so he, he says, I can point out to God that they have a bad relationship. I still have a role to play. Rashi believes that Bilam is trying once again to curse, but not to curse in the sense of Nechashem. He's not trying to give them a curse. He's trying to get God to give them to curse because he realizes the truth. Nothing that I do, my powers, he's a wizard. 
his powers are irrelevant to the Jews. Just as Balak, who's a king with an army, his powers are irrelevant to the Jews. Chazal explained what the Pesach war that says in the beginning of the Pasha, that uh, having seen that Sichon and Og, the two most powerful kings on the other side of the Jordan, that their power was irrelevant to the Jews, so Balak knows very that his power is irrelevant to the Jews. So they're looking for the power of Bilam. That's the last ace in the hole. And Bilam now knows that that's also irrelevant. Everything is irrelevant. The Jews amidst the Goyim are in a shell. They're living, they're living, in, a, they're living in a bubble. But their, their welfare depends on something else. It's not accidental. It doesn't depend on them. They're not impervious. They're not immune. They're not more powerful than anybody else. They have relationship with God. So now Rashi's saying, it's not that he looked at the Jews because he wanted to give them a bracha. He's still Bilam. He's still a bad person. But instead of looking at God and trying to squeeze in his curse into God's mood, so to speak, he's looking at the history of the Jews to see where is the chink in the armor of the Jews? Where is the bad relationship with God? Where is the thing which God cannot favor because because justice, because Sachavanish, because Avodazara is going to ruin the relationship with God. And then if they if they are there, Avodazara, if they build the golden calf, then they will fall into the powers that be and, and we have more powers than them. So it's not really it's actually the point I'm trying to make. The Jewish relationship with the rest of the world is based on only on the relationship with God. That's what this Pasha is about. And therefore, as a Jew, you should pay no attention to the guy. Bilam is not going to make a difference. You should pay attention to God, of course. If you want to be successful in the world or out of the world, you have to have a, a, a right relationship with God. And even Bilam knows that. And therefore, his last gasp, according to Rashi, according to the Tagum Yerushalmi, is to find where the Jews don't have a good relationship with God and, and try to work with that. Now, that doesn't work either. Man da'at tzidkot he forgave the Jews or agreed to forgive the Jews. He continued, he said, Nonetheless, my covenant with the Jews is maintained. My relationship, what does it mean Brit? My relationship with the Jews is still maintained. So Bilam doesn't know that yet. But he finds it out right away because having nonetheless, stopped trying to curse them, try, stopped trying to use his magical powers over them, but rather to understand the relationship with God, so but to hear love of the Spirit of God falls on him, and he says, <coughs> excuse me, he says, he sees, without an explanation, but he sees that despite yeah, the checkered past, despite certain problems that nonetheless exist. But the actual relationship is full. The relationship is healthy with God. Matovu o alecha Yaakov, Mishkanotecha Yisrael, how good your dwellings are, Israel. Kinechalim nitayu kiganot alei nahar, kaahalim nata Hashem, kaarazim alei mayim. It's like a river. It's like rivers. It's like many rivers. A lot of water. A lot of water metaphors here. The life comes up within. The Jews don't have to go and draw water from a well at a distance. The Jewish people are water. In other words, life flows there. 
They're not dependent on outside forces. Last week's parasha, Moshe Rabbeinu offered to pay Melech Edom for water. He, didn't, he said, if we take water, we'll pay. The implication is that we're not going to take water. We don't need water. We have our own water. Whether it's the Be'em Miyam or the Rak of Moshe Rabbeinu, but our water flows from within. The Jewish people are like gardens who have their own water source. Like oaks that grow, uh, not oaks, evers, 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 uh, terebins, that grow on, with their own water source. On the contrary, their water will flow out and will overflow the other people. This reminds us of the Pasuk in Micha that spoke of Ari, of, 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 of lions in Mitzdegayim. I can curse you. Those who you bless, the Jews blessed, will be blessed. They are the source of blessing and not subject to others' blessings and others' and others uh, curses. And this explains the last thing that takes place in the Pasha. Because there's one thing in this parasha that on the reading of the pshat has nothing to do with the parasha. After the story Balak in the Lamb is over, and how do we know it's over? Because it says so. Vayakam bil'am vayelech vayashav limkomo v'gam Balak halach le'udakau pasuk chafhei aperich chafdalid says that everybody goes home. It's an unusual pasuk because what do you need it for? You know, the story's over. But it, what he wants to say is the story's really over. It's over. There's this long conversation but everybody goes home. Balak goes to his way and Bilam goes home. And then it says, is the sin of the daughters of Moab. So Chazal, in fact, connected technically that it was Bilam gave this advice to Balak. He said to him, look, I can't curse them, but uh, you can still mess them up, get them to sin. So even, you know, it, it doesn't say that in the Pasuk, but it's the same point. The point is, what the Pasuk is saying is, the Jewish destiny is not dependent on the might of Balak or the cursing of Bilam. What's it dependent on? The relationship with God. And therefore, sin is really important. So, Chetam Avalgim didn't work, but there's Chet HaEgel didn't work. But there are other problems. As Rashi brings down, Bilam says to Balak, this God, he really hates uh, immorality, uh, promiscuousness. So send your daughters, or the daughters of Midian, the daughters of Moab, and uh, it'll, it'll work out. It doesn't work out. It, a lot of Jews die. Uh, uh, 24,000 people die. But it doesn't affect Jewish history. Uh, because, because of what Pinchas does, because of what the Jews do. Um, but the point is that a hundred psukim describing ineffective curses, one pasuk describing what is effective. Not what we do, but what they do. Well, you can maybe seduce them, but what they do is what's really important. The Pasha is in one, in one line. Amim, Bekerev Amim Rabim, the Jews among, amidst, part of, so to speak, world history, unconcerned, unaffected by world history. They're affected by only one thing. Maintaining their relationship with God, and Bibrit. And as long as that bit exists, that's what really matters in the end. And there'll be interactions. But the destiny of the Jews is not affected by the reactions, the interactions, and the interchange with the peoples among whom, among whom they pass.
My time is up. Everyone should draw their own conclusion from this from this message, the powerful message of this week's Pasha. Shalom.